Is this thing on, Kanan? I can never get enough volume, Bill. Tonight we got Brian Wells. Brian, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How's everybody doing over your way and down your way? Because I guess we're south and west of me, yeah? <laughs> yes. Yes, we're a little bit spread yeah. out all over the place here. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you at, from Beautiful upstate New York. And the reason why I always say it that way is because people, when I, whenever I say New York, people think New York City. Mm -hmm. Yes. Trash. Beautiful upstate New York. <laughs> and, and beautiful, yeah, yes. the good part. Yes. Yeah, the good part. Beautiful part, yeah. Listen, we've already vowed that one day we're going to take like a road trip out east and like head up through there and like go up to Maine and stuff. Yeah, so we'll just head yeah. that way, man. Absolutely. Right Stop in. Yeah. I'll give you the, the dime tour. All right. Yes. Sounds good. That sounds amazing. I'll stay in contact on that. That'd be awesome. Brian, um, I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. It took us, uh, well, I like to say us, when actually it was me that took so long in getting this put together, uh, which is normally the way it works. Confession uh, is good for the soul. It is. <laughs> uh, I think you reached out to me, it's been a while back now, and you commenced to tell me a very interesting story. <laughs> um, for people that don't know, we're talking to the guy that, uh, this was the Babylon Bee before anybody ever thought of the Babylon Bee. Ooh. So... Um, yeah, this this guy was he was right on top of it. Brian, tell us it was what was it called now? It was called the IHC report. IHC and report. Uh, it was it was absolutely glorious uh, for about six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Very short lived. <laughs> but it it has lived on in infamy for over twenty years, and uh, had a, had an absolute blast doing it. Um, almost got fired. Uh, almost got my wife kicked out of God's Bible school. Oh my um, gosh! It was it was absolutely a glorious, glorious time, and that website uh, proved to be very, very prophetic. So <laughs> I'm very excited to share with you all uh, how it came to be, and uh, and and also I'm going to reveal on this episode some things that some people have guessed at and guessed very wrong. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to reveal, I, I checked with my co-writer, uh, yesterday and I'm going to reveal for the first time publicly who was, uh, yes. my, my cohorts. Heck so, yeah. Oh we boy. breaking news tonight, y'all. Here we that? go. Yeah, we breaking so some this news. Is, this is cutting edge, breaking news 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So you said, uh, you said you started this like, you said 20 years ago, something like that? Yeah, it was actually in 2001. So I had already graduated from um, GBS and uh, my wife was finishing up her final year at GBS. And at the time I had uh, started a job Well, I'd, I'd been working for an internet service provider providing technical support. And back in those days, and, and this is kind of hard to remember, but the late 90s is when it was kind of like the wild, wild west of everybody, you know, getting online. There were internet service providers popping up all over the place. And so the company that I was working for hired me probably about six months too early. Uh, they were offering a, they, they were going to offer internet services. They hired me to provide technical support. And in six months, I answered three phone calls and two of them were wrong numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so that meant I had a lot of time on my hands. And so... I spent a lot of time um, reading the Drudge Report, uh -huh. 
and I spent a lot of time reading The Onion. Mm-hmm. And then um, I decided I wanted to teach myself HTML. And so uh, one day I was reading the Drudge Report, and it was it was just before IHC. Um, and for those maybe who aren't familiar with IHC, but that's the inner the inner church holiness inner church? convention. Yeah, yeah, I think it's what yeah. it's called. CHM Holy Week is what we like to call it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the Bunhead Invasion of Dayton, Ohio. Is what it used to be. Oh, oh, man. The Bunhead Invasion. But now oh it's the butthead invasion of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They've invaded the South. Oh. Yes, they have. But uh, so anyhow, I was um, one day reading the Drudge Report, and I'm not going to say I'm ADHD. Uh, I've never been um, diagnosed officially as that. But I'm also somebody where, you know, if somebody says like the word green, then I think grass, and then it's like I got to mow my lawn. And it's like, you know, it's all of a sudden it's yeah. just uh-huh. on down the line, all of these really weird connections that happen in my head. And I was reading the Drudge Report one day, and just all of the headlines to me were such that it was like, well, if you just twisted that just in a little bit, like just a little bit, maybe change the word here or change the word there, that would describe the conservative holiness movement. <laughs> and uh, so what I did is I ripped off the Drudge Report. I made a copy of it, uh, created a logo. I think it was, I don't even know, it was really bad. Um, but it was, it looked like the drudge report logo. It just said IHC report. And I made up a bunch of headlines and then I just sent it anonymously out to, I don't remember. It was like a couple of people. Um, and then the next thing I know, it's like, it went just all over the place. And it, <laughs> it, it, I said it, I, like I said, I said it anonymously to people. So they're trying to figure out who's behind this IHC report thing. And I called myself the IHC guru. <laughs> I feel like Jim Plank would be he wants that title now well you can gladly have it <laughs> but I, I didn't write any articles to those headlines it was just there was never any grand scheme or plan or whatever it was just like ha 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 send it out and it went viral before viral was even a thing and as viral <laughs> as like something to be in an anti-technology movement but it was like all of a sudden it was everywhere. And so then I'm like, well, maybe I'm onto something here. So I uh, reached out to a buddy of mine, um, whose name I'm going to reveal right now. Uh, oh, his name was Dan Neal. Um, he is from, originally he was from the Indiana area. I think Indiana, like the Westland, um, thing, but anyhow, he and I had gone to college together at this point. I think he had graduated and moved on. So your name, you said but, Dan Neal. Yeah, Dan Neal. Um, and he's since left the, the CHM. Um, uh, but anyhow, so he and I started writing articles. And I, I want to be very, very clear. In writing these articles, we never, ever used any kind of crass language. We never used any kind of like, you know, there was no swear words. There was no, um, we never questioned anybody's integrity or even anybody's spirituality. It was just. It was just good old clean fun and poking <laughs> fun at the idiosyncrasies of the conservative holiness <laughs> movement. So to give you some ideas of some of the articles that I wrote um, and, and that he wrote, uh, I wrote one article that was about a waitress at a, at a, at a restaurant in Dayton, Ohio, who 
was dreading the invasion of the bunheads because she knew she was going to get stiffed. Um, <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Oh my so, gosh! She and in the article, it was it was kind of like she had reached like forty three uh, forty three cents in tips for that week. Which was actually up from her average, um, but then she had a bunch of chick tracks. One that was covered in mustard stains, and that uh, she had spent fifteen minutes in her, her break in the bathroom looking at her elbows, trying to figure out how they look like breasts. Incredible! This is great. This is phenomenal. Oh, That's crazy. Oh Lord, this is fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, dude. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was that kind of stuff. Now, to, to be honest with you, every article that we wrote, a, as is any good satire, it's, there's a nugget of truth in it. Mm -hmm. And where that actually started was when I was working, when I was at GBS, I worked for a while at um, La Rosa's Pizza, uh, Pizzeria, delivering pizzas. And there was one day when I was in, in the restaurant and, um, I think I, maybe me and one other guy, we were like the only Christians that worked there. And this waitress, she was a single mom. She comes back and she had one of those tracks that looked like a, like a dollar bill or a $10 bill or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And she said, how, I won't, I won't give the exact quote. <laughs> oh, you can. <laughs> <laughs> How in the world, I'll put it that way, <laughs> how in the world am I supposed to pay my bills with this? <laughs> and as, so as a Christian, that like hit me hard because yeah. I'm like, what kind of a witness is this? Now, the people that left that track, I don't, I'm not saying they were conservative holiness people. They were just really bad Christians. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And one of the things that I learned in the tipping industry, I worked both at La Rosa's and I also worked as a valet at a hotel. And that was that if I pulled into a, if I pulled into a, a driveway and somebody had a WAKW radio sticker on their window, which WAKW was the Christian radio station in Cincinnati area, I could almost guarantee you I was going to get stiffed. I mean, it just Jeez. was such a reputation that Christians had for being demanding and, and for being cheap. That's sad. Um, wow. When I was That's at the hotel, so the, uh, when they would have a Christian convention that would come in, those people would have you running all the time and never, ever leave a tip. So oh. it was kind of that taking the, the whole holiness standards thing and compacting it all together into that article. But every article that we wrote was, was based on something like that. Sure. Sure. Um, there was another one that I wrote where it was, uh, uh, and this was taking March madness cause it was right around March. So, you know, March madness, mm -hmm. not that I would know anything about March madness. <laughs> you weren't supposed uh, to Brian. brackets or anything like that. <laughs> no. uh, and, yeah, I'm still not sure of it to some point. Is it sports? Yes. Basketball. Okay. There, yes. okay. That's yeah. all I got. I don't know nothing. That's why Brian should have known about it. Why it was <laughs> in gambling sports and gambling. Oh yes. I don't know anything about that. Uh, <laughs> no, me either. But, but anyhow, so I, I, um, wrote an article about a Sunday school class and I think it was sister Bertha, um, who had bet, oh, uh, on 
who was going to get them running that year at IHC. Um, who was going to get them running the aisles. And so they had come up with brackets and it was like, you know, the, I had come up with odds as far as like, you know, AWC was going to get, you know, it was like AWC was two to one odds. Um, like GBS was maybe four to one odds. And um, like the liberal Bible colleges were like 750 to one because nobody's going to run the aisle for, you, you know, yes. some, some liberal like hope sound or something. <laughs> no way. You know, AWC, they're going to get them. GBS might get them after that. It, well, Penview, they're probably get it. They're probably right up. Yeah, they get it. Um, but hope sound yeah. ain't got a shot. They ain't got, they got a snowball. Not a prayer. Didn't happen. Not a prayer. And there was oh, also dude. one at the time. I think they were out of, it was a Kansas city Bible college. Yes. I don't even know. I think that's and the they name were like one. they were like fifteen hundred to one um, to, to get anybody running the running the aisle. <laughs> oh, so. They didn't get anywhere. They had no chance. Yeah. They had no chance. They don't even but get a mention these days. Where that came from is the previous year, as I was walking out of IHC, there was a couple ahead of me, and they were talking about how you know they had been running the aisles, and I think it was AWC that had gotten them you know running around like El Diablo was chasing him. And, um, he, the, the lady says, you know what? I bet Garen Wolf is jealous that this year it was AWC that got him running the aisles. And I'm thinking as if no. Garen Wolf has got a little notebook saying, well, that song didn't work. I'm going to have to leave that one out. <laughs> you know? uh, I, I'm just picturing these schools. You know, the choir director, give him like a, like a, a pep talk, like a coach at halftime. We have got yeah. to go on the offensive. Yeah. <laughs> we need numbers. more key change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, These dude, numbers have got to come up. Video. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, so, my buddy Dan, he wrote under the name Captain America. And, um, <laughs> I love it already. I was just watching it yesterday. Boy, Captain America. <laughs> yes, you yeah. saw me. So, so he wrote under the name Captain America. Well, he wrote an article about um, a quartet. It was very similar. Uh, in in nature, but this quartet was up there singing, and I can't remember which Bible college it was that was represented, but it doesn't matter. They were up there, and they just felt it was like really dead, and nobody was running the aisles. But then they hit that key change, and the tenor just <laughs> hopped out on that high C. And when he did that, they just started running around like the devil was after him himself. And then, like the way he closed it, it was like Starship Mint. Uh, Jefferson Airplane, man. (laughs) 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 Oh, that is so true. That's the way that works. I can remember that. Oh, yeah. And and I think the title of that article was There's Money in the Key Change or something like that. Because you, I mean, anytime you've ever been to an event like that, you know, it's like it might be dead, but boy, when they hit that key change and they repeat that chorus. They're off to the races. Yep. <laughs> they are off to the races. <laughs> that key change, that's where it's at, man. You gotta pull oh, it off slick. Boy. You can get them, you can get a new high score on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so like I have a question. All right. Do you have these copies? Unfortunately, I do not. Um no. uh, I oh, wish man. I did, and yet on the other hand, I'm kind of glad I didn't. So I used GeoCities to uh, make this website because it was free and it was easy and whatever. And in 2009, GeoCities went out of business, shut down. And so the only thing you can find, if you go to, I think it's oocities.com slash IHC report, you can find the like hyperlinks 
to the original article. So that kind of gives you an idea as far as some of the articles that we wrote, but the actual articles themselves are they're they're lost to posterity. I I feel that I speak for the nation when I say that this is just as bad as the library of Alexandria burning down, Brian. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) This has been lost. This is a great tragedy. (laughs) That is. That is. Wow. Wow. So we, we, we really did as, as much as we could. We really tried to stay away from using real people's names, except when you really needed to use somebody's name to, to maybe make a point. So um, there was one article that we wrote where they, I think people were gambling on the number of cans of hairspray that Kim Collinsworth needed to use. Because, I mean, if you've ever seen her play the piano, I mean, it's just violent. To one point, I think it was at IHC, she actually broke a nail and actually there was blood all over the key, all over the keyboard. I remember that. I was a little kid when that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously in order to pull that joke off, you have to use their name. It's not like you can use somebody else. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, 100%. There was another article that we wrote um, and I I believe it was um, Dan that wrote this one um, where Nike uh, had determined that this uh, three-day event or whatever it is uh, of athletic prowess um, by people in the conservative holiness movement as they're running the aisles and jumping pews and all that kind of stuff, they felt like people were being underserved by running in dress shoes. And so they they had come up with this new wingtip (laughs) running shoe um, that would make people be able to clear an altar in a single bound. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that is, this is great. Just, oh just do it, you know? <laughs> well, that's where we went with it. So we, we, we actually were like, so what they did is they, they um, contacted Mike Avery to be their spoke pers- spokesperson because the, the tagline was, I want to be like Mike. Um, (laughs) I love it. I want to be like Mike. Holy cow. So it was stuff like that where, you know, again, you you can't pull that joke off if you don't have, you know, a Mike Avery. You got to use the name. Yeah. Yeah. In that way. Yeah, you got to use the name. And I'm trying to remember, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other ones that we wrote that were, you know, I mean, it was all very much in that same vein. And again, it was just poking, you know, fun at the idiosyncrasies of the holiness movement. Yeah. And, and there never really was any kind of a plan on our part to, you know, change the holiness movement or anything like that. In fact, at the time, I certainly wasn't, I don't think I was planning on leaving the CHM, although in hindsight, my journey out of the CHM had already started. Um, and I think Dan was already headed that direction out, but for us, it really wasn't an ax to grind or anything like that. We were just having fun. We thought it was funny. You guys were just writing comedy uh, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it was. Yeah. Yeah, Um, but the, and then along the way, before I get to kind of the, the, the grand finale, uh, which, what, what was kind of the downfall of the IHC report, um, along the way, I started getting all kinds of, you know, Fan mail and hate mail. Um, and, <laughs> and I'll tell you, some of the, the emails that I got, I'm not going to say they were vile, but they were hateful. Oh, these really? people that, you know, were thinking that they had the, the, the backs of the conservative holiness movement and just 
hateful, almost to the point you're going to burn in hell. You, you know, you know, like that kind of that mm-hmm. level of 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 vitriol. Oh, yeah. And um, wow. oh my gosh! But, but I started having fun with it because I'm just like, you know, you want to you want to do that. I post it right up on on the website with their names <laughs> coming at me. I love I'm, it. I, I'll, I'll put it right back out there, and um, and then I and then I would just put a response to it. Um, Good. And then, you, you know, person. if people were, <laughs> it, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then if people were happy with the comment, I would be like, I'd put it up there, you know, the content. Hey, thanks so much. Those people, generally speaking, I don't think I use their names. Uh, I tried to uh, yeah. protect them because, right. you know, I saw what I was getting. Um, and then I'm trying to remember all, the total sequence of events. I, I had reached out to a cousin of mine, uh, my my cousin who since passed away, John um, John Case Jr. Oh. He um, was somebody who actually was blamed for the IHC report. Uh, really? <laughs> my my brother Keith was also blamed for the IHC report, and neither one of them ever had anything to do with it. Although um, John, I had actually lined up to start writing articles. He was going to start writing articles, um, and then I got found out, and we kind of just quit the whole thing. Um, but so how did these guys feel about getting uh, accused <laughs> for something that you were doing? Oh, they thought it was hysterical. <laughs> they, they thought it, they thought it was hysterical. What did your wife um, think about it? Well, she, I, I don't, at the time, I think she kind of thought it was funny, but she was so busy wrapping up, um, you know, she was almost in finals and, yeah. you know, wrapping up her senior year of college that, um, it, it I don't think it really registered too much with her what was going on. Yeah. It was just like, oh, that's Brian being Brian. And, you know, it's <laughs> like, it is what it is. Yeah. Right. He's just um, doing his thing. <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> but eventually, and, and actually she wasn't even aware of some of the stuff that happened um, that I'm, I, was, I've, I shared with her, I think it was maybe, it was in the last year, some of the fallout that she was not even aware of mm. um, because I, I didn't want her getting bitter and, and whatnot yeah, um, I understand over that. some of that stuff. So, yeah. yeah um, but, but anyhow, well, I don't know about good husband, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while, shielded though. Yeah. Every once in a while I, I get something right. Um, and I feel like I, I did that one right. <laughs> but as sure. I say, a blind squirrel, uh, finds a nut every once in a while. Yes. So. Every once in a while. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Not very often. <laughs> so, we, um, again, we wrote, I can't remember how many articles there were, but the, the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back was the article. Oh, hold on. I got one more great story <laughs> and then we'll go to that because this one actually just came up and this is what I'm talking about. The IHC report being prophetic. So my brother-in-law is Al Wayman. Um, and, uh, you'll see him in like the, I think he's in both the culture breakers and in the hillbilly. Yeah. I've seen Al uh, floating around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, so. um, so he, uh, a couple of, uh, I think it was maybe last week was talking about how, how we could use chat GPT to generate, uh, conservative holiness sermons. Yes. I saw that. Yes. And, saw um, that. well, we actually back in 2001 had an article where because the churches were running out of parishioners, the conservative holiness movement was running out of parishioners. They had adopted the Acme 2000, which would, they, the, the, the head of the, the deacons uh, or the, you know, the head of the board, depending on what mood he was in, could come in and he could program that to, you know, 
come up with a great sermon from Marshall Smart or, you know, uh, yeah. H.E. Schmuel. You know, if you really wanted a hellfire and damnation sermon, he could really <laughs> crank it up. You know, if you wanted something on standards, he could punch that in. It's going to be the name of my band, uh, by the way, Hellfire and Damnation. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that, that was prophetic. Uh, way, way back in, uh, in 2001, we, we already had beat Al to the punch and we had beat Chat GPT. Uh, to all of that. Um, another article that I wrote actually was one that was called 18 was the perfect number. And again, poking fun at church, you know, the sizes of the churches mm-hmm. and they had tried running uh, 20 one time, but they felt like that was too big. So they, <laughs> <laughs> and then they looked I around and they it. saw that they were related to everybody. Um, and they thought maybe that was, that, that might be part of the problem, but oh, well, 18 was the perfect. Well, didn't Jim Plank just say something about like, you know, blue bloods and keeping it all, you know, and within the holiness about his, movement. About his dynasty or, so, or not dynasty. That's not what he would call it. Um, uh, heritage is that what they yeah, 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 yeah. keep heritage. it all together yeah. and stuff like that well but for long you're marrying into your own family it's it's well this is west virginia so I, I don't i don't see an issue with speaking of speaking of and you can take this out phil are you talking about alfred wayman he does the pottery stuff yep that's okay. my boy okay that's my brother-in-law he so, is the coolest one of the coolest guys you will ever meet He's an agnostic, but he has got the biggest heart, yes. the most Christian agnostic person that you'll ever meet. He's more Christian than most Christians. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you story after story about how Al, I mean, that, that dude would literally give his shirt off his back to help people go out of his wow. way. I love that. I love that guy. I, I tell you, I can't speak highly enough mm. of that guy. I'm going to tear up. Aww. I'm going to tear yeah. up. I got to move on. I get it. <laughs> no, I get it. he is. He is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, and uh, and you can leave that in if you want. You can take it out. I don't care how you do it. Yeah. But he is he is a great guy. And uh, there are a lot. I mean, honestly, there are a lot of Christians that can learn a lot from Al Wayman. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. That there is no doubt. No. Yeah. Where was we at here? What was I? I, I, so, I lost my place. Oh, yeah. So on to the grand finale, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yes. So, um, Captain America, my buddy Dan Neal, wrote this. I mean, this is probably the article, if there's any article that uh, it was an absolute tragedy and travesty that it was lost forever, it was this article. And it was entitled, Jim Plank is the Victory Trio in Drag. (laughs) Oh, no. I love it already. (laughs) Oh, no. the, the, The whole thrust of the article was that Somebody saw the Victory Trio go into the bathroom, and then they saw Jim Plank come out. <laughs> and, and then you'd never seen the Victory Trio and Jim Plank in the same room at the same time. So <laughs> simply, Jim Plank had to be the Victory Trio in drag. Yeah. Now, the whole point of that article was not that he's a cross-dresser. It never was. Anybody that would think that we meant that literally is absurd. They, they yes. just don't have two brain cells to put together. Right. The point was at that particular point in time, he, he hadn't ascended to the, you know, the pinnacle of the conservative holiness movement, but everybody saw he was the heir apparent. He was the one headed in that direction. He was on the upswing. And and it was supposed to be, he was going to be the one that was going to revolutionize the conservative holiness movement. He was going to bring it into the next century and he was going (laughs) to do great things. And our point was simply, 
he's nothing more than a repackaged victory trio. It's just more of the same. It's, it's the same bad ideas, the same bad theology, Mm -hmm. just in a younger guy. Right. And we're continuing the legacy. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) And, And I would say that that article, all joking aside, was prophetic. It, it was 100% on point. He is nothing more than a retread of, of the, you know, whether it's the victory trio, you go on down, uh, down the, the line. Yes. But it was just simply, um, the, uh, more of the same. And he, he certainly, well, he did ascend to the, to, to the throne. Um, I, you know, we also refer to the toilet as the throne. So, <laughs> uh, be careful what you wish for. Right. Anyhow, uh, so that one really um, got some people's boxers in a bunch. And, so he was um, he was looked at at that time. How long did this go on? So when you write the Jim Plank article, we're looking at roughly what year? This was uh, this was all two thousand and one, and this literally took place in a span of six or eight weeks. Oh, I mean, wow. it really was. It was just before IHC leading up. I think it might've been just past IHC. I don't remember exactly the, 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 the dates and, and, and whatnot, but it was just a very, very short time frame where this thing like kind of blew up. It went across the, the holiness movement um, as much as something like, you know, <laughs> <can Yeah>. go, <laughs> you know, early days of the internet and an anti-technology group. Um, but, uh, it certainly did, you know, and I had people, you know, touch not the Lord's anointed, all that, you know, typically driven. I'm so sick of hearing Um, that. Yeah, we hear that one a lot too. Yeah, Uh, you and me both. So he's on the upswing at this time and he's, he's looked at as the golden boy. He will be. He's, he's going to be the next, um, H.E. Shmuel. You know, he's, he's going to be the next one to take over, um, the, the, the conservative holiness movement. And, uh, Yeah. And, and so that really was, was the whole point of that article was just simply saying, you guys are putting all your eggs in the basket of these young guys, but these young guys are, are really just young versions of, of the same old crap that's been around for many, 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 many decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his, um, and, and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm naming names here because I don't really care. Yeah, um, give us a John Baker will his, love you. John I mean, Baker his, loves uh, me. Let's go. <laughs> his his brother John uh, at the time worked at GBS, um, and uh, I think he was a graphic designer for the God's Revivalist. And uh, he took issue uh, with the uh, <laughs> insinuation that his dad <laughs> or his brother might be the Victory Trio in drag. Oh and, my god! Uh, so um, <laughs> they they actually put on they they. And they did it well. And I, I walked right into it, but they, they put on a sting to figure out who was the IHC guru. Um, because again, at this point, this is totally anonymous. It's the IHC guru. It's Captain America. Um, and, uh, and it was going to be Lato was going to be the name that my, my, um, uh, cousin wrote under, which is actually, if you read that backwards, it's Utal, um, O-T-A-L which means the great one in Portuguese. (laughs) (laughs) So there was kind of like little Easter eggs that I had put into all of this stuff. Um, But anyhow, so they put put on this thing and they tracked my IP address. uh, And because I I never figured um, 
number one, I, I guess I didn't give enough people in the conservative holiness movement credit uh, to be technologically savvy yeah. enough to do anything like you that. You mean smart people in the CHM? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, especially yeah. at that time period. Yeah, right. You, I mean, I was gonna say, yeah. Especially in that year. 20 well, years ago, I mean, I was a whole seven yeah, was, years old. The internet was getting oh, preached hard against in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, he sent a um, an email that said, um, "Here's our, you know, we we disagree with you, you know everything that you said. Here's a link to our response." Well, dummy me clicked on the link, and that link basically led them right to me. It was actually oh, I was at no. work. They Ooh. called my work. They found out who I was, uh, and oh, and. These guys yeah. went whole hog. Wow. Oh, yeah. Um, and so the next Mother Russia know, would be proud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. So the next thing I know, I'm getting called uh, over to um, Mike Avery's um, to have a conversation about this IHC report. Oh, no. And uh, it was so, president of GBS, correct? He was president of GBS at the time. And again, keep in mind, my wife is a senior, hasn't yet graduated. Um, so he, uh, he calls me over uh, to sit down and have a conversation and uh, lets me know that he knows who I am, um, which he already knew who I was because he and I had had some disagreements <laughs> uh, along the way. Um, but uh, so he let me know that uh, there were many within the conservative holiness movement that didn't appreciate what I had done, um, what we were saying. And I, I want to be careful here because I don't want to say that he came right out and said that um, my wife wouldn't be allowed to graduate from GBS. But I left his house that day with the, insinua with, with the assumption that her graduation from GBS might hinge on whether or not I continued the IHC report. Mm. Um, the power of which, assumption, yeah. Which is something that uh, I I never told my wife until about well within this last year is really when I told her that that wow. had happened. Um, and all and, this over, point, over comedy, essentially jokes. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and 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 clean comedy. Yeah. Um, you know, the yeah. only thing that you might say was a little off color was you know the waitress looking at her elbow. Um, trying to figure out how it looked like breast. Well, I mean, come on, that's what we were all told yeah. growing up. Was yeah. that kind of foolishness? And yep. then, and then to say that maybe Jim Plank was a crossdresser. But again, that was, yeah, it's I, a I, anybody that would, yeah. it's a joke. Anybody it's... that would exactly anybody that would take that for anything serious is is another moron, in my opinion. And mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know what you do with that. Um, well, on the I CHM, really they do not have. A sense of humor. They really don't. No, I mean, no. I've found this Not out. Not unless you're telling black jokes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you're onto something, Cannon. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they, I mean, they cannot stand uh, poking fun and stuff like I mean, I feel like that, that they would fall to pieces hanging around the Sparks family for, you know, half for an afternoon. Oh. It's just, they, they just can't take it. for an hour, they'd be offended. Yeah. I mean, if they could hear the jokes that we told. Mm-hmm. Few days after my dad died, because that's how we uh, process things. <laughs> yes, you know, we didn't. We weren't trying to disrespect dad. No. We didn't hate dad. It's just you start you cry it, a little bit. It's a coping. Then you mechanism. start cracking an outrageous really joke, is. and everybody starts laughing. 
And that's just the way we do things. Yeah. But that's, that's the way my family is too. And especially my mom's side of the family, the Case family, when my, I, I can't remember if it was my grandmother or grandfather passed away. And this would have been when I was like three years old, but I've heard the, the, the story in the family lore. Whichever one passed away, um, they're making the arrangements and whatnot. And, and somebody said, well, what kind of flowers do you want for the funeral? And my uncle Dave said, well, there's stink pots in season. Um, <laughs> and, and, and people are like, you know, they just thought that was horrible that he would joke, but that we're the same way. Like we're going to make a joke about it because yeah. that's how we process. It. Yes. Yep. We do um, the same thing. Yeah. So anyhow, when I left there though, already in the back of my mind was why move forward with it? Because right. a, a big part of the fun of doing that was that it was anonymous and that nobody knew who it was. Yes. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, when you start making jokes and you start cracking jokes, people take it as a personal attack, even more so than you doing it anonymously. And so at that point, I was kind of like, ah, do we go forward with it? Do we not go forward with it? Um, and so I think I, I released the manifesto. I called it the manifesto. <laughs> and it was just. We're going all and, the, and, he's going all killdozer all the way here. <laughs> oh, you know it, man. I, I was hardcore libertarian before I knew I was hardcore libertarian. Yes, you were. Uh, but I, I, you know, and it was just kind of outloading, outlining that this was always a joke. It was never meant to be, you know, a personal attack on anybody. You know, we're not trying to change anybody, change this, change that. This is just jokes, man. It's just mm-hmm. jokes. Lighten up, have a sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, another key piece to this whole, this whole story is that at this point, my wife and I had been hired to go to the Cayman Islands to work in, in the school, and I was going to be the youth pastor in the church and so on and so forth. Well, someone in the conservative holiness movement, I, I don't know for sure, so I'm not going to name names. I have a really great um, suspicion as to who it was, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm going to be careful here. They contacted um, my uncle, who was actually the pastor in, in the Cayman Islands, and uh, said, uh, do you know this website that your, uh, your uh, nephew has been writing? My uncle's like, no, what are you talking about? Well, you better check it out. So what do you mean? Well, if you move forward with hiring him and his wife, we will be greatly disappointed in you, and you will lose favor within the IHC movement. Oh, my oh. gosh. So my uncle's thinking, oh, my goodness, what in the world has my, my nephew been up to? So he goes, and he pulls it up, and I think at the time, they only had one computer in the Cayman Islands, I mean, at, at the school there, that had internet access. It was dial-up. You know, uh, yeah. way back in the day, yep. the good old days. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so he pulls up this website and then he starts reading it. And he just, he's like, people are upset over this. So he goes and gets my, my aunt Celia, um, who's his sister, um, was the principal of the school. So he goes and gets her. Now, my aunt Celia is one of those people that she doesn't talk bad about anybody. She's one of those kind of people that she could walk by a dead dog on the side of the road and find something good to say about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, no. I'm like, no. oh, that, what a nice set of teeth on that yeah. dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, the exact that's... opposite of Canaan is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> she, but that's the kind of person that she is. And she sat down and she thought it was hysterical. Mm-hmm. And so if my Aunt Celia, of all people, thought it was hysterical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I sleep while at night. I mean, not that I would really care. I love Aunt Celia to death, but 
Um, not that I would, but yeah. the fact that she thought it was hysterical. It's yeah. like, I don't have anything to worry about. If I can stand before Aunt Celia, I can stand before God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man. But yeah, so, they, so over that website, they tried to get us fired before we were ever really fully hired. Um, and, it, and it just really goes to show, again, the, the nature of the holiness movement. Um, yes. They, are, they can be very, very vindictive. Um, they can be very, very harsh because in their minds, they think they are doing right by you by, um, yes. by being that way. I've heard and, of this kind of thing time and time again. I mean, whenever you started hearing cancel culture talked about in the news, it's like, you guys are just now finding out about this. We lived with this yeah. all of our life. Yeah, this is you normal know? behavior. Yeah. They don't like you. Uh, I mean, I've, I've even heard of a situation where a, a guy was told by a CHM preacher I will not give you a good reference just to get a job. Mm-hmm. Well, just remember, there'll be a day when those people have to face the good Lord. Yep. And they'll get what's coming to them. They'll get what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. the sad thing, the, the sad thing is that there are people who carry the hurt and the scars of that. Yeah, um, that's yes. and, and there are people that are far from God. As a result of that level of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that to me is what's very sad. They have to be held accountable for that stuff. These people have to be held accountable for for making, not making, I shouldn't say that, for basically leading these people away from Christ because Mm -hmm. of their selfish, stupid actions. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The, The CHM cannot, they do not tolerate any, they have to have groupthink. Mm-hmm. They want you in lockstep. Yep. And they they just will not tolerate free thinkers. Yeah. You uh, disagree, no. and I'm generalizing here, I'm sure, because somebody will probably send me a message of you know, well, so and so. Yeah, whatever. But they want everybody to think alike. They don't want questions asked. Mm-hmm. And if you step out of line, they'll try to squash you like they uh try to do yep. to, to Brian here. Well, they love it so much so that the Bible Missionary Church has a manual that says, okay, you're going to follow this because this is how we do it. We want all our people to be thinking the same way and like doing the same things and dressing the same way and doing all the, like they Mm -hmm. always have to be under this whole umbrella, which I'm sorry, rain still falls on people. You know, I, I just, I can't get around the whole mentality that we all have to agree and be the same thought. It, it feels like we're Mike or Mike Jones. <laughs> Uh, Jim Jones down in Guyana. We're all like just drinking the Kool-Aid and we need to stop and be thinking for ourselves for once. Because if we're not careful, we're going to be falling for this stuff like, you know, with Jim Plank saying all the stuff he did. Yeah, yeah his recent fiasco. Like, if yeah. we're not grounded in what we believe and know for ourselves what the Bible says, people are falling for this. And I'm so sorry for the young people that are sitting underneath his leadership because this is, it's ridiculous. When, when you go on to say, like he's, he recently said in, in a sermon, that anybody who dares disagree is now backslidden, yes. far from God. Yes. Yep. Um, how dare you? Right. You know, how, how, who, who elevated him to the great white throne, uh, you know, and, and, and to, to sit in judgment of anybody as to how they are, you know, in, in their relationship with God? Absolutely. How dare he? Yep. The, the stuff that he... They in general, and he specifically gets away with saying, "It's it's outrageous. It's flat out outrageous." And you know, essentially, with the tactics that they pulled with you, they, they 
they turn themselves into a, a miniature dictatorship. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because they all, I guess you could say, extreme, they're very right wing in their political views. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to what they put into practice, like I said, it's it's Mother Russia all the way, man. It's a, we, yeah, we will tolerate is. no dissent or we will squash you. It, it is. Brian, you uh, you said it was your uncle, right, that was alerted to this? Yeah. And and he was fine with it. So where did it go from there? Well, my, my uncle, after he read it and after my Aunt Celia read it and they thought it was hysterical, <laughs> they were just like, whatever. And... Uh, you know, we, we went to the Cayman Islands and served for six years. Um, wow. But uh, at that point, you know, it, like I said, we, we just dropped it. Um, and I don't know if I, I don't, honestly, I don't even know if it would have continued, to, to be frank. It's one of those things that, you know, it was kind of the right time, the right season of my life. Um, you know, from that point on, we moved to the Cayman Islands. You know, I was busy, you know, busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> And it's one of those typical ministry positions where, you know, you're, you're one, one tiny salary and not that I'm complaining, they, they treated us well, but it was one tiny salary. I thought I was going to be the youth pastor. No, I was, I was a high school teacher. Uh I was, um, the youth pastor. I was a bus driver. You know, it was like you you do all the things. Um, and, uh, but it was, it was fine. It was, you know, six, six years that, uh, you know, we, we really enjoyed. And really, that also served as as kind of a bridge for Bonnie and I to, I think, make our final exit um, out of the CHM. Um, so you know, it, it certainly was uh, it, it was it was a, a good time for us, I, I think. But I, I just don't think that the the IH, IH report, right? She report. Who knows what, what would have happened? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I guess the. I've I've had people almost every year. I should say almost every year because over the last several years, not so much. But you know, the first maybe ten years after it all it all went down, I had I would have people reach out to me every year coming up to IHC. You know, is the IH, is the IHC guru coming back out? And uh, <laughs> I actually at one point had the uh, Twitter handle IHC report or IHC guru. I don't even remember. And I was thinking about tweeting from you know and. But it's one of those things that in order for it to be good satire, you have to have it a nugget of truth in it. Yes. And once you get so far removed from it, you, you lose that mm-hmm. because you just don't know who the major players are. You don't know what the issues are that people are dealing with anymore. Um, and also at that point, I, I would say just because of what had happened there with this situation, and some of the stuff that had transpired while we were at GBS, not so much to me, but more so to my wife, um, I really had a lot of bitterness towards the, the CHM for, for a really, really long time. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because my wife is somebody who is very, very conscientious. Uh, in fact, I used to jokingly say that she had enough conscience for the both of us. Um, <laughs> you know, when I went to GBS, and I make no bones about this, when I went to GBS, I, I actually graduated um, from my, from my uh, final year of high school, and then I did. I crammed four years into five. So that's how studious <laughs> My I was. My dad does the same thing. Uh, so, uh, but when I went to GBS, my, my, my goal was to figure out what the rules are 
and then to break as many of them as I could oh without getting God. caught. <laughs> and, and I was good at it. I love it. it. Um, and it. And it's not that I was going out and getting high and getting trash on the weekends and having all kinds of promiscuous, like I, it wasn't anything like that. It was just breaking the stupid institutional rules. Like, oh, you can't go to a ball game? Oh yeah, okay. I'll show you how I can go to a ball game and I get caught. Yeah. You can't go to the movies? Yeah, I know how to go to the movies. I can do that and not get caught. Um, it reminds Kane, that reminds me of, of us at Clinton camp. We essentially would just, the stupid oh, rules. Yeah. We would, uh, we never wanted to do anything bad as far as, well, you might have, but yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, just a matter of, okay, you got this dumb rule. We'll, we'll do something. We'll break, we'll pull a prank, whatever. I, I could, exactly. I understand you exactly rebel. what you're saying. <laughs> and and yeah. so that's, you know, I, I like to say I was a rebel without a clue. Um, <laughs> but, uh, there did come a point where one day I, I woke up and I was kind of like, you know, Brian, nobody made you sign that honor note. However dumb you might think that honor note is, nobody put a gun to your head and forced you to sign that honor note. And a man is only as good as his word. And if you said you're going to abide by these stupid rules, then you really ought to do your best to abide by these stupid rules. And so it's not to say that I was perfect. Um, I found plenty of loopholes. Mm-hmm. Uh, exploited everyone that I could. Um, <laughs> but I, I really did have a much different approach to things, but Bonnie being very, very conscientious and the mind games and just the emotional manipulation that goes on in the holiness movement, um, to a certain extent. Sh- and I think all of us that grew up in the CHM will be emotionally, spiritually, (laughs) mentally scarred. Yes, um, I agree. Because of some of the nonsense that we saw. And Bonnie didn't, well, she grew up in the CHM. Her parents, to a certain extent, weren't as plugged in and weren't as um, rigid with regards to certain things. So, for example, she was allowed to go to her prom, um, Mm. you know, which was unheard of in the holiness. Right. Movement, you know? Um, she went, she went in a dress that maybe, maybe didn't meet the, the conservative holiness movement standards. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my father-in-law, um, you know, he wore short sleeves and, uh, in fact, there was one dear saint from the church who was always giving him a hard time about wearing short sleeves. <laughs> and, um, my father was like, you know, I'm a farmer. I- I'm going to wear short sleeves. You know, it's mm-hmm. dumb to be out in the middle of the summer and not, not, not just to mention that it's dangerous, you know, be around yeah. a PTO mm-hmm. shaft with oh, long yeah. sleeves. Yep. Come on, you know, use your, use your brain. Um, but, uh, he found out this dear saint was coming over, uh, one afternoon. And so, he went and put on his wife beater and went out and mowed the lawn with no <laughs> sleeves. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I like that. So, so, so that's, you know, that's kind of how, how Bonnie grew up. Um, she had some, some um, you know, pastor's wives along the way that were, were interesting characters. Um, but when she came to GBS, that was really her first exposure to the CHM on steroids. And, I see. Um, and and it and it really it really did throw her for a loop, um, you know, spiritually, um, emotionally, and so really for a, for a long time after we left GBS, she really was unpacking um, all of that nonsense, and really to this day, and I think maybe more so than I do, she'll always struggle with the concept of grace, um, you know, that yeah. that she could ever be good enough um, in the eyes of God. And that, that just breaks my heart to, to think about that. 
um, me and Miss were just talking about this the other day, or yesterday, I think, just how the CHM does not understand grace at all. Not one bit. And just how, and they, they paint it as you make one mistake and God might punish you for years or something like that, you know, or uh, just this, it's a terrible picture they paint of God. It really is. And, and yet the interesting thing is, to me, and we're going to go way off script here, but I think it's germane to the topic here, um, is how they will extend grace to, now I'm not, not going to say to people that don't need, that don't deserve it because we all deserve grace, uh, but they will make excuses. And Jim Plank did it. I'm, I'm going to call him right out in, in this latest clip where he just kind of glossed over, you know, these preachers diddling little kids Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like wink, wink, nod, nod. But don't you dare wear short sleeves or have a television. Yeah. So they'll extend grace in that area, but then they won't extend grace in the area of short sleeves or, you know. If I'm not mistaken, he called the kid touching, he called it a, um, how do you, a, a, moral, a moral failure, failure. something like yeah. a moral, moral failure. failure was yeah. what that was, and glossed right over oh, that, just like, oh, yeah, that's awful, moral failure, and then went right back to, but, your short sleeves and all It's like, Jim. But it took him about 30 seconds to stammer out that it was a moral fa- failure. He would not call it for what it is. Sin, and, yes. And, and again, sin is sin, and I, you know, all of us are, are guilty of falling, you know, we, we've all fallen short of the, of, of the glory of God. Yes, so we have. I'm not sitting here trying to cast stones, but my point is, that they will extend grace in those areas and in areas where they, sh- where they should hold people to account that they, they, they kind of turn a blind eye mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, and, and I, I mean, there's another, I, I won't name names here. Um, but, um, there's someone that I know of that, um, got, uh, kicked out of a particular Bible college for a moral failure. Um, and, the a person that was sitting in the seat of judgment um was involved with somebody else's wife so oh, okay. um and 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 I probably said too much there because there are many people who probably are going to connect the dots <laughs> um and i and I'm not trying to reopen old wounds, but the point is that they will extend grace to to those kinds of situations, and yet they'll be so hard-nosed over meaningless, foolish stuff. Absolutely. And they will extend grace to certain individuals if you have the right last name. And if you don't have the right last name, oh, yeah. then hit the road, Jack. We've all seen back. that. It's, like, that's, that's it's almost like the CHM does not believe in secondary issues. Everything is a main issue for the at all. Like, there's no, and, and that's why they can't disagree. You know, everything, the standards, all of it, nope, this is all fundamentals of our faith. They can't distinguish. Except that, that sometimes the main issues become secondary issues. Yes. Like diddly little kids. Yes. That should be a main issue. Yeah. You Absolutely know? right. But it's, it's like not. I don't get it. I don't either. I've sat and scratched my head many times over this. The, the CHM's reluctance to, to address that problem, to even make a statement you know, just get up and be like, hey, we understand this is an issue. We're working to fix it. You know what I mean? Just even something like exactly. that, something to just placate people. You don't even see that. No. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. You all left the 
CHM than over time. And yeah, and, I, and I'm going to kind of go back in time a little bit to kind of because this is one of those things that uh, as I thought about how we left the CHM, it's one of those things where I think out my exit out of the CHM happened long before any of this did. And uh, to give you a little bit of my backstory, my mom and dad um, got saved when I was five. So I remember the before Christ. I remember my mom and dad having um, just horrible, horrible fights. And, and one day my dad, you know, going down the, 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 the porch of our house and executing the most beautiful, you know, Jackie Chan roundhouse kick as he kicked out a window. Um, you know, so, um, and not that my dad was ever violent to my my mom. He never was. I'm not saying that at all, but, uh, that window shook in fear every time he went past. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, man. So, so my mom and dad got, and and this is, this is a reason why I will never be able to, to fully hate on the CHM because I saw the change in my dad and if it wouldn't have been for the CHM, I don't know as I would have ever seen that change in my dad. And so for that, I'm very, very grateful. Um, but my dad eventually became a pastor, um, in Western Pennsylvania. And, um, we really grew up from the time I was about five till I was 13 when they became missionaries, very much in the CHM microcosm. It was, you know, we, we went to church, uh, we went to every revival. We went to every camp meeting um, w- within driving distance. If there was a youth rally, we were there. Mm-hmm. If there was, a, you know, I mean, everything that you can think of. To say that I I grew up in church is not an understatement whatsoever. And this is before my dad became a pastor. Um, it was, you know, but it was only the CHM. You, we didn't go anywhere else. Sure. Um, yep. West, you know, anybody outside the CHM. Um, they were lost, you know, heretics, um, the Wesleyans and the Nazarenes, they might skid into heaven. Um, (laughs) but you never know that that ring might keep them out. That bobbed hair that Uh, might get them, you know, those pants, those slacks, um, pedal pushers. I felt the same way. I Uh, I love my pants. Thank you very much. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, my dad eventually moved out to Pennsylvania and he actually pastored two churches at the same time. Um, wow. about six miles from each, or I guess about 13 miles from each other. And I literally went to church at least seven times a week. Mm. Um, oh, my, my dad would That's preach. Oh yes. My dad would preach at least four times and sometimes five times on a Sunday. And then we would have, uh, so he would go, he would preach, um, at the, the one church in Geneva. Well, my mom and, and, and us boys went to Sunday school at the church in Lyonsville. And then my dad would leave the church in Geneva and he would go come to Lyonsville to preach while they had Sunday school in Geneva. And so he would preach um, twice on Sunday mornings. A lot of times we would have a nursing home service on Sunday afternoons. And then my dad would preach twice on Sunday evenings. And we would go to both church services. So Gee, one would yes. start at six you know, maybe go six to seven and the other one go from seven 30 to eight 30. And then twice on Wednesday nights. Why didn't um, they join them together for well, one service? Well, that was one of the things that we, well, goes back to 18 being the perfect number. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can't have mega churches. <laughs> so it, it, in essence, it really was family that went to both churches. 
it was like aunts and uncles that went to one and nieces and nephews that went to the other and kind yep. of a thing. But uh, my dad had suggested that they merge the churches in a town called Conneaut Lake, which is almost dead center between the two. And no way we could ever do that. Um, and, uh, so the church in Geneva has since closed the church in Lyonsville, I think is still open, but, um, yeah, it was, it was very much, uh, um, one of those kinds of situations. So, um, at the same time, um, my dad was going to AWC, um, to finish his, his ministerial education. So he's doing, he's going to college while doing all that. Oh yeah. And worked a part-time job too for a cabinet maker. Good Lord. Superman. I honestly don't know how my dad did it. Um, and mm. I, I also know this, and th this is something I didn't find out until like the last couple of years. There were times when the treasurer would come to my dad and say, Reverend Wells, we don't have time. We don't have enough money in the treasury to pay you this week. And it wasn't that they were going to make it up. Mm -mm. My dad just, just didn't get paid. He was just going to miss. Wow. He just Aww. went without. Happened to my dad. Did it and yeah. That's dedication. As man. kids, we we never we never knew that. We never knew that. We knew we were poor in Job's turkey, <laughs> but we did not ever know that that kind of stuff was going on. You talk about my mom and dad being very very wise and shielding it because that boy talk about something that can make you bitter. Oh yeah, um, for is, sure. Is that kind of a thing. Yeah. But anyhow, I don't want to get bogged down too much here. the The point being is that in that area, there's a bunch of Allegheny Wesleyan churches. And so we went to every Allegheny Wesleyan revival. We went to every Allegheny Wesleyan, like they had indoor camp meeting. They yep. had Stoneboro camp. Um, and that's Allegheny Mecca. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I tell you, I can tell you stories about people there running in the spirit and then they fall down and rip their jeans out or not, not jeans, their dress pants out. Oh, and then they get up and they tearfully apologize because they hadn't been running in the spirit. That's the only <laughs> way they could have fallen down and ripped oh. their feet because they were running, they weren't running in the spirit. Oh. Um, I've heard, the only explanation. I've, I have heard that. That's times. that's a new yeah, one for me. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So um, but I, so th that was that was the environment that I grew up in um before my mom and dad went went to Brazil. I mean, it was Going, going to revivals and camp meetings and youth um, conventions. And that, like, that was our entertainment. That's what we did on Friday nights and Saturday nights. And, yep. you know, mm -hmm. if there, if there was a revival anywhere within driving distance, they would lift service on a Sunday evening and you'd go to the revival. Yep. And those were always the ones. You didn't cancel you service. Got, you lifted you service. Got, you, yes, you lifted <laughs> yes. service. Yes. And, uh. Those services were always the worst because those were the ones where you got the hellfire and damnation, uh -huh. you know, the great white throne judgment. Like that's where they scared you. In, you know, you're going to leave here and get hit by a bus. And mm -hmm. like all of those stories, you got those the last night of a camp meeting, the last night of a revival service. And what was so, Judy Williams? How far is hell story? You know, three miles down the road, whatever. I'm sure. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes. yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Yeah. Once they saw the other car, they crashed. Absolutely. Exactly three miles down. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Exactly yeah. three miles from the church. That story scared me to death. Yeah. And, and that's, and so that's the kind of stuff that as a kid you grow up and it's just like, you know, it, it, it freaks you out and it, you know, it scares you into a relationship with God. And yes. then you're, you're always kind of eternal insecurity, you know, is, is always how I looked at it. Cause it's like, 
oh, that I woke up this morning and I wasn't, oh, I must have lost my salvation. But then there was also, and I don't know why I picked this up at, but there was also like in the back of my mind, like, well, you can't get right with God until you can go to the altar. And you, you know, and not every church service had an mm-hmm. altar call. Yeah. So you would have to wait till the next altar call. So then it was kind of mm-hmm. like, well, let me get all that sin in because I gotta, I know I gotta <laughs> get that next altar call. So I gotta yes. get all that sin in. And it's such a twisted way to look at it. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Um, but but that was that was again, and and I will also say this in defense of my mom and dad. My mom and dad never preached that or taught that. Um, my mom and dad were always very, very open with us. Mm-hmm. If I asked questions with regards, for example, to standards. And I would say to my mom and dad, well, why do we do this? Or why don't we do this? Um, there were times, uh, and my mom in particular, she would say to me, Brian, we don't necessarily see it that way. But out of respect to the church that we've chosen to be a part of, we do X, Y, or Z, or we don't do X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I could always accept that. Um, don't try and bullcrap me. Yes. Um, you know, but, but to come at it from that perspective, as a kid, I always understood that Almost every organization has their own rules that you have to go by if you want to be a part of that organization. Some of them have a dress code to be a part of that organization. And, and, and so to come at it from that perspective, I, nece- I didn't necessarily have a problem um, with it. But then you would hear that nonsense preached from the platform. Yes. Um, and that's where it was kind of like, okay, you know, a little bit confusing. My story is um, very know, similar. This, yep. Um. You know the sermons on on little girls wearing bloomers. Um, that was that was a great that was a great oh story. Oh, I bet that, I, um, I think I missed that one. It doesn't surprise me, but yeah. Well, well, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here because this this is a great story, or at least I think it is. <laughs> uh, so um, Miller Downing um, was uh, God rest his soul uh, was preaching at uh, Victory Grove Camp and um, was talking about how. Girls should wear bloomers underneath their skirts because if they slide into second base, they would show off the goods. And I have never wanted to be a second baseman more than I wanted to be after that sermon. Yes. So if we're ever playing softball and I want to play second base, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Talk about America's pastime here. Fulfill his dream. She was like, second base. <laughs> he called it. He called it. He's right. Take second. I'll take third. <laughs> uh, he wow. Also, he also was the one that was preaching a sermon on um, on uh, high heel. Women not shouldn't wear high heeled shoes because it makes their butts wiggle. And he turned around and he started with How do you think acting. I got my husband? I love big butts that I cannot lie. <laughs> yes, they're mixed a lot. My fave. Oh, uh, oh, dude. You, you, you guys did see the I, I like big bobbles and I cannot lie, the remix of that. What is it? No. <laughs> I, I love big Bibles and I cannot lie. Yes. No. I don't know if I've seen that or not. You've got you got to look that up. That's was this great. an IHC? Did it. they see it at IHC? No, 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 no. But it, well, they wouldn't know who Sir Mix a Lot is. So yeah, yeah true. Be able to do that, but, uh, yeah, definitely look that up. That's definitely uh, worth uh, a listen. Uh, I will. But anyhow, so he turns around and he's kind of like acting, and he turns his backside to the to the congregation and like wiggles his butt <laughs> as if he's like walking in high heels, and 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 I and I. 
the, the funny thing about it is there's a dear old saint that went up to him after the church service and said, Brother Downing, that was one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen, and you should be ashamed of yourself. And he actually apologized to her. And, 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 and to his, in his defense, he actually apologized and said, I am so sorry. I did not mean to offend you. Really? Um, and, and so, you know, my, my estimation of him went up a little bit in that he was willing to have that level of humility sure. to say, you know, yeah. I am, I am, I am sorry that I would have offended you. That lady was enjoying um, the sermon a little too much. Sounds like, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, I've gone like way off the rails here. I'm trying to tell the story of how we got out of this whole bit. Yeah. Oh, um, so my mom and dad became missionaries when I was 13. We went to Brazil. And when you go to another country, all of a sudden you realize there isn't a KJV Bible in Portuguese. And so all of this KJV only nonsense that had kind of been bandied about, like kind of all of a sudden starts falling like flat, like, wait a minute, there's no K. And then you start realizing that how people dress and how people act in a different culture doesn't necessarily line up with the, um, the standards of the holiness movement. And then you start interacting with other missionaries that are like Baptist or Pentecostal mm -hmm. or Catholic. And you real shout out to the Catholics. Um, <laughs> Glenn, that's for you. Glenn, that's yeah. Glenn love you, man. Um, and, and all of a sudden you start realizing like, wait a minute, these people that I've been told were heretics and that were headed to hell actually love Jesus. Mm -hmm. When you see that, you can't unsee it. Absolutely right. You're you absolutely cannot right. unsee it. And so for me, that really was, I think, the beginning of the end. Um, it just took a, a long time for me to get there because eventually I came back, I went to GBS, and of course I'm right back into the fiery furnaces of the of the CHM. Yes. Um, and then we went to Cay the Cayman Islands. And the Cayman Islands, it was kind of weird because it was kind of like the, the holiness movement, but not the holiness movement. It was, it was kind of like this really, really weird, weird place to be. But it, it kind of helped distance us a little bit from the CHM. Um, and then in 2008, when we moved back to upstate New York, beautiful upstate New York, um, <laughs> there, there isn't a conservative holiness movement church within um, an hour's, less than an hour's drive from where I live. Yeah. And the thing that Bonnie and I had made up our minds is that we weren't going to be, you know, people that commuted to, to a church an hour away. We wanted to be a part of a church in our community where we could have impact mm -hmm. in our community um, and influence with our neighbors. Yes. And yeah. so we ended up going for about eight years to um, a free Methodist church um, that was about a half hour away from our, us over in, a, in the city of Saratoga Springs. Free Methodist used to be CH, uh, CHM, right? Kind of, yeah. They, they were, um, and I don't remember all of the forks and the twists and the turns, but um, back in the day when my mom was growing up, the Pilgrim Holiness Church had a good relationship with the Free Methodist Church. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and, my, and my mom's... See, I think her mom and she's got some family that grew up in the Free Methodist Church. In fact, my great my grandmother graduated from Roberts Wesleyan High School at the time, which is the Free Methodist um, school over in the Rochester area. So we went to the Free Methodist Church about a half hour away from us. And about eight years ago, um, our son was getting ready to go into junior high. And we looked around the church that we were going to, and there really weren't any young people his age. 
Um, and Bonnie and I were very, very concerned about that. Um, and we also really were feeling like our desire to have impact and influence in our community really wasn't working out because in the entire eight years that we went to that church, we randomly ran into people from our church two times in a store. That oh, was wow. it. Um, yeah. That's how Not disconnected we were from people because people were coming from a half hour the other side of the church to come to that church. We're coming from a half hour this way. So it was like our, our, our paths never crossed. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we started looking for a church in our local area and we found um, a Presbyterian church about 10 miles north of us. And um, so let's, let's give it a whirl um, and, and see what it's like. And from the moment that we walked into that church, we felt loved, we felt valued, um, we felt shepherded, and we were just embraced as a part of the community. And now, you know, I run into people from our church every day because I work with people from our church. I run into people from our church at the grocery store. You know, I, I run into people from our church t- tonight. I went to get shavings at the tractor at tractor supply. And my wife had to be thinking like, what in the world? The tractor supply is two miles away. Why, <laughs> why did it take an hour to do that? Sounds well, like my trip to tractor supply. <laughs> yeah. I, I ran into a guy from church yeah. and he and I were like talking about cows and goats and raising turkeys and you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, uh, and so being a part of a community like that, um, really was, was, was key, but really what also became huge for us is that, um, our son got connected with young life. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with young life at all, but uh, I've heard of it. I never was really involved with it, but, um, familiar with the name. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome program. Um, that's really focused more on reaching unchurched kids. Um, and, uh, you know, just presenting the gospel to them. But Brian J got involved with that, and through that, you know, he he, um, you know, established his own relationship with Christ. And um, you know, I'm ashamed to say, Brian, I think I think we had one of those at my high school. We had a chapter, and if I, (laughs) this sounds awful. I remember correctly, I was CHM, and I looked at him, you know, side eye, like, yeah, oh, you guys are quote Christians, huh? Which is terrible to say, but that's how. That's that's how I was. I'm I'm going to be right there with you, man, because I had never heard of it. The first time I heard of Young Life was when I was working for one of the internet service providers when I was still at GBS, and there was a guy that I worked with who was a Young Life leader, and I did the exact same thing as you. I looked down my nose at him, and I thought, "There's no way. He's just teaching them a false gospel. He's just teaching them an easy way." Yep. And um, those kinds of things make me cringe. Oh, those kinds of so things. So bad. Sometimes the shame that comes over mm-hmm. me, even, even though I know that you know, God's forgiven me of that and, and, and I try my best going forward, sometimes just that, that past tense shame, mm-hmm. my Lord, yeah. it hits you hard. It does. And, uh, but um, Brian J. going to, to, to Young Life, in fact, he's now um, over at Gordon College um, just North of Boston, um, freshman, we were over there a couple of weeks ago for, um, parent day. And he said to Bonnie and I, he said, mom and dad, thank you so much 
for going to a church that had young life so that I could come to know Jesus. Now that's, that's what it's um, about. That's fantastic. That, that really, you know, made it not to say that it wasn't worth it, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it it just really confirmed to Bonnie and I, um, what we already knew, what that we're, where God wanted us to be. And through that, this Presbyterian church that we're a part of, God has been able to speak into our son's life and into our lives as well. Um, and has really helped us deal and process, um, through a lot of that baggage that, um, that, that we've dealt with. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things too, as we've kind of made these steps. So, you know, going from the, you know, from GBS to, to the Cayman Islands, which was the Wesleyan Holiness Church, and then going from there to uh, the Free Methodist Church, um, and then on to the Presbyterian Church. Along the way, God has just put in our lives the right people to help us process so many things. Um, and in particular, at the, Fre- at the Free Methodist Church, our pastor grew up in the old-time Free Methodist Church when it was more like the conservative holiness movement. And, um, and he was really uh, instrumental in helping us process through a lot of things. And his wife as well, Sharon, um, you know, were, were really instrumental in helping us uh, process through so much of that, uh, for lack of a better term, trauma mm-hmm. um, that, that we had dealt with. Uh, growing up with, with that kind of twisted theology. I notice it does, it takes time to process, but, and, and there's times now, sometimes it seems like I, I have more to process or I, that I realize I have more to process. The older I get, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll just notice something and be like, all right, there's, there's a root here somewhere. I, you know, it was something to do with the CHM has to be affecting this or caught, you know, just, it, it takes so much time. Well, and the funny thing is too, like I thought I had processed all that stuff and like kind of left it all in the past. And then I discovered this thing called the Hillbilly Broadcast. Uh, <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden it was like uh, a band, a bandaid was ripped off of a wound that I had kind of been ignoring. Um, yeah. and, and it's been good because it's really caused me to, to think through and re and process some of those things that probably I had just kind of pushed to the back of my mind. I, uh, I'm not joking when I say this. I think this podcast has done the same thing for me just because it's, man, the CHM has been forefront in my mind for what, how long can two years going on three years here soon? Uh, yeah, going on three. And a, a decent chunk of that was hitting the CHM and, um, yeah, it's kind of brought it back to me as well. And there's been some times I'm not going to lie. It can even get you down a little bit. You know, you start thinking about it. You're like, oh my gosh. And, then you start thinking about the casualties of it. That's what bothers me so bad is the people that are sitting in that church pew that think what Jim Plank just said is the truth. That's what really bothers me. I have family members that are, that are like this. It's either this way or I'm going to burn in hell. That's my yeah. only options. Yeah, and that's, and that's the same for me. I, I still have a few like extended family you know, a few aunts and uncles, cousins and whatnot that are connected. But my mom and dad have left. Both of my brothers um, have left. So, you know, my, my, my um, brother-in-law, Al, um, is, is, is left. So really the only people that are still close to us that, that are, are anyways connected um, would be my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law. And 
to say that they're really connected, uh, you know, I, I don't know. They they, they attend uh, a conservative holiness movement church sometimes on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, and and part of what it is is my my mother in law has some physical problems, and so sometimes they just can't get to church. And then usually I think they watch um Hope Sound. Uh, God bless them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good boy. <laughs> well, you know, you know, one of the other things too that uh, we were we had talked a little bit about that video. Um, going around uh, about uh, with with the kids at, at the one camp meeting, mm-hmm. and um, one of the things that uh, I am so thankful for is that my son has no frame of reference with regards to stuff like that. Um, we yeah. we we've been able to shield him from that, and in fact, uh, I think it was about two years ago um, he went to a CHM service for the first time since I think he was like two. Um, and he, it, 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 he came, he came back. He was, he was like totally just flabbergasted. It was almost like traumatic to him. Yeah. And the first thing he said is he said, dad, he said, when they prayed, like they were all screaming at God, don't they know that God can hear them? I'm like, <laughs> oh. okay, well, I used to think that was normal. Uh, okay. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, with regards to the sermon, you know, the preacher got up, read a passage of scripture, and that was the last time he ever referenced it. It was just like, he just rambled off on all the stuff. And he said, dad, he never came back to the Bible. He never mentioned another verse of scripture. There was like, it wasn't even like the, he, he badly proof texted anything. It was just this diarrhea of the mouth that yeah. went on mm-hmm. and yep. him just, you know, you know, nonsense stuff. And then my, my son got to see his first altar call, uh, of his life. How many times of, how many rounds of just as I am? Was it? I don't remember. Uh, (laughs) we can put some bet. He came away mad, like, like literally mad. And he said, he said, because he saw a little girl, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old going forward, crying, and he said, dad, that was child abuse. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, th- this is, this is a 16, 17 year old kid who looks at this and just calls it for what it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so. I had an instance told to me one time, uh, the lady that told me it, she's the one it happened to. She said she went down to an altar call and you know, that whole thing. I used to be terrified of this. I would be afraid, especially when I was seeking the elusive second work. Right. Um, that I would go down there and I wouldn't be able to get it. And then I would just like drag out and get real awkward and all that. And uh, apparently she was having one of those moments. And then the preacher in front of the entire crowd, and this was a very large CHM church, begins like doing that whole praying thing where he's not as much talking to God as he is talking to you. Mm -hmm. And like, now, dear Lord, you see her here and you know she's got a problem. And Lord, mm-hmm. I, help her to just, just give it all up. Yes. Help her, Lord, to just let go of that rebellion. That's, you know, just whatever. Just Die go on in yeah. front of all these people. Yeah. You know, she's basically just getting berated through prayer, um, which yep. is an interesting tactic. But and yeah, it's it's emotionally manipulative, and I'm, yeah, I'm not a fan of altar calls these days. Well, when I was at GBS, I remember there was one of those situations where you know the the the, the the fires of, of revival were sweeping the campus. Mm. And uh, so all of a sudden, the next thing I know, they've got uh, a garbage um, pail up on the altar 
um, for people to start bringing their, you know, their worldly CDs and oh, their yes. short sleeve shirts and their yes. posters oh, wow. and TVs. yeah, like, well, yeah, all that That's stuff. They're, they're, we would shoot those and have a bonfire. Yes. We were holier than I'm that. guessing the worldly CDs were like Phillips, Craig and Dean or something like that. <laughs> we we oh did my. a double whammy. It was shoot them, then burn them. <laughs> um, <laughs> make sure they were doubly dead. Yes. Oh my God. But, uh, so, you know, all these people are going, you know, going forward and they're, you know, they're dumping all this stuff in this trash can. And there's um, one particular individual who, you know, they were, and, and I, I want to be careful. I, I don't want to make fun of somebody is struggling with uh, their viewing habits. And this is back in the days when you had to go to Blockbuster Video and rent the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but yeah, old school. I, I, now I'm showing you how old I am here. <laughs> I don't think uh, I've ever been to one. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Friday night tradition. He um, took his Blockbuster Video card uh, and, and cut it up. Um, big deal. And of course, everybody said, woo, you know, give it to God. Hallelujah. Well, there was another individual who, um, had, had some issues, had been let go from school was in my opinion, maybe trying to get back into the good graces of, of, uh, of the administration. And I mean, he couldn't get his wallet out of his back pocket fast enough as he's springing <laughs> up front to get rid of his blockbuster video card. <laughs> and and of course, I'm I'm a cynic by nature, and I'm thinking, you know, this is really like so stupid because anybody who knows anything about blockbuster, you just go down and say, "Hey, I lost my card. Can you give me another one?" I mean, yes. it's not like yes. cutting up the card does anything. Yes. It's like go get another one. Ken, I'm having this vision of like a Dwight Schrute and Andy when they're trying yes. to one up. <laughs> they're one up in each other. But but the other oh, piece man. to me as well is I'm looking at that and I'm saying, I wonder where they're going to dump all of that stuff because in three weeks I'll be able to sell it back to them. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. It's true. It's yes, just, it's just, you know, so the, I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, you grow up around it and then it's kind of funny when you see it, I'm going to say funny, but also disturbing when you see it through your kid's eyes mm-hmm. who has never been around it and he calls it for what it is. And then you see videos uh, uh, like that one of that camp meeting. And it's like, not only yep. does it make you cringe, but it literally makes you sick to your stomach to think, yes. man, there was, there was a point in time where not only did I think that was normal, but I encouraged it, and I might have even participated in it. Yep, absolutely. And yeah. um, that leaves you kind of feeling a little red faced. Yeah. At least me. It sure does. Yeah. I get that feeling yeah. different times. Like man, I bought it. Oh, yeah. I think me and mom talked about it the other day. Well, we bought a bill of goods for a long time, and yeah. just and bought all the way in. I, uh, Ryan, I don't want to keep you for forever. I, I've very much enjoyed the story. By the way, you still have, do you still have the logo for IC report? I don't. I, all of that stuff has been lost to the ether. Cause I'm thinking somebody, we need some t-shirts with IC report on. So we need something. <laughs> yeah, we need to resurrect us a little bit here. Let me tell you something. It's not hard to do. Just go look at how the, uh, drudge report logo is. I'm familiar with and it. And then, and then just do it like the, I just, Change it to IHC report. It's it's what is it like a shadow gray gray with a shadow black or something? Yes, no caps with a shadow gray. Yeah, that's all it is. It was not aerial font. I mean, it was not anything brilliant. I mean, at the end of the day, I did it. There's no way it could be brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) And I I am not an artist at all. Um, I can't draw a stick figure. Um, One time, 
Uh, I'm way off on a tangent here. One time I was playing Pictionary and um, the word that I had to draw was bikini. Uh, <laughs> they couldn't guess what it was. It was like watermelons. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You got some melons, right? <laughs> it, was, it, was not, it was not good. Somebody thought it was a diaper on a stick figure. I mean, it was, yeah, uh, yeah, an artist I am not. So. Oh, great. Before we go, uh, we referenced how, you know, that there are people in the CHM that hear this uh, uh, BS, and they think that it's like they have no way out. What would you say to just for example, somebody that was sitting listening to Jim Plank the other day, uh, and and is I mean, it's perfectly reasonable to assume that somebody's sitting there having an a, a inner struggle, anyways, because I think we all kind of come to that at some point. What would you say to somebody like that? Boy, that's so hard because. When you leave the CHM, and, and, and you all are a little bit closer, I think, to it than I am. I mean, I'm 20-some-odd years out of it. Um, but when you leave the CHM, it's not just that you're leaving your, your theological framework, but you're leaving your social framework. You're leaving, and, and many times it's family that you're leaving behind. You're, you're leaving behind your entertainment. I mean, as I, as I said, growing up for us, going to revivals and camp meetings and stuff like that, that was our entertainment. You know, watching people run the aisles, that was like being at a baseball game. Um, and so it's really, really difficult to step away from all of that because it affects your life really in, in such, um, in such a, a big way. But I would also say that um, God's word, how <laughs> do I put this? Because I don't want to sound preaching. I don't want to sound uh, CHME here. Um, but, I, but I believe that God's word stands up to tough questions. And if people aren't willing to let you ask tough questions, then you really need to question that. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because, because God's word is, is, is going to be able to handle anything like that. And, and so, you know, it's tough because everybody's journey out is, is so different. Um, but I would also say, go try a different church just for once. Yep. Just go try a different church, mm -hmm. you know, so it, it, um, sp spend a Sunday morning at a different church or may maybe two or three different churches and just see what else is out there. Um, certainly not every church is created the same of that you know i there are certain churches i would recommend and there's certain churches where i wouldn't recommend them mm -hmm. there's a big old rainbow flag in the front of it probably stay away yes yeah. <laughs> very good rule of thumb <laughs> um yes but i but i really really do believe and, and the other piece to it as well is get to know somebody who maybe isn't from your brand of christianity for us that was such a huge thing when and, and what i'm saying get to know them go into it like put your, 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 um, like desire to get a spiritual scalp, put that on the back burner. Like you're not there to convert them. You're, you're there to befriend them. You're there to learn their story, get to know them. And my guess is, as you start talking and interacting with those people, you're going to find out that they love Jesus. And if you find out that they love Jesus, then all of a sudden, a lot of the stuff that you've been taught as you've been growing up 
really starts not making any sense. Uh-huh. He's like, how in the world can this work? This person who wears short sleeves loves Jesus. How does that work? This person who wears this lady that wears pants and has bobbed hair, she loves Jesus. How does that work? You know, and I, I think once you start going down that road and you see it, you, you can't unsee it. You cannot unsee it. Um, but you have to be willing to take a look at it. Yes. And if you're if you're coming out from the standpoint that the conservative holiness movement is the way, the truth, and the life, then then stay at the conservative holiness movement and don't don't go wrecking anybody else. Absolutely. Very well put, Brian. Uh before we go, I want to plug the, the podcast, uh, which I guess I guess we just learned about before we started the show. Yeah. I, I think I, I thought he told me about this before. I probably just forgot. You didn't the, tell me. The Homestead Journey. Is that correct? That's correct. It's a it's a, a podcast about um, the pursuit of self sufficiency, self reliance, and sustainability, and really the fact that um, homesteading, in my opinion, is a journey towards those things. So it's really learning how to be, you know, developing skills um, to be able to produce stuff uh-huh. uh, so that you can live. And I think all of us, for all of us, that looks a little different, but uh, I think all of us can can do a little bit more. In that regard, whether it's gardening, raising chickens, you know, all of those kinds of things, um, I covered all 171 episodes, just finished seven, uh, season four um, this past weekend. Actually, this past year, we uh, did a series on empty nest homesteading because our one and only beloved child has left the nest. And now Bonnie <laughs> and I are here trying to figure out what to do with each other. So, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That might be, I might have said that, that the wrong that way. That sounded wrong for a second. Being a married couple. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, um, <laughs> and, and actually doing that series really helped us process that. And I think for you guys, maybe uh, what I'm hearing from you is doing this podcast has really helped you guys process. Oh, yeah. Yes. With DHM Absolutely. And uh, those kinds of things. Um, but anyhow, it's available on all of the pos- podcast uh, platforms. And if you want to check uh, out my website, it's homesteadjourney.net. But that's really a bit of a train wreck. It's kind of like the IHC report. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>